0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, welcome to True Faith Weekly Podcast, broadcasting to you after another win. Get in. (laughs) After the, you know, fantastic win against West Brom, Newcastle, very good, so today... Joined by Cy Campbell, Ben Wade, and Andrew Bolland. No Mickey today. We can only speculate why he's not here. Um, Shall we? Yeah, we could. <laughs> what do you reckon Mickey's up to? Is he A, feeding, is he a feeding the cats? B, he's just bought a PS4 with Star Wars. Has he? Well, I think he's allegedly going to get one.
2: No, that's me. No, he's, <laughs> doing, the same, he's getting, doing the same thing. I've told him to pie off getting the cat. <laughs> I don't know whether, I hope he's done it.
1: It's a hard sell that to your girlfriend. You know the cat? Yes. Well
2: How <laughs> <laughs> oh, about we don't get the cat and we've got another pet instead. There's prison shit everywhere. It's like it doesn't have to eat anything and it runs like on electricity.
1: <laughs> I think that's enough of speculating what Mickey's up to. Um some might say Good he's run- he's running scared of Mark Blades' uh, quarrel with him. That T.O. Day and Colbach should be nowhere near a Premier League team. I also strongly disagree. I was looking forward to debating that with him, but he's not here. So maybe on Friday's radio show. Speaking of which, obviously join us 7 o'clock on Friday. We'll be doing a Chelsea preview. We'll try and get a Chelsea fan on uh, like we'll have the last few weeks. That's Radio Northumberland live 7 o'clock on Friday. And then the following week, the following week, yeah, the 13th, Did no, the 13th. We did this last time, had this my last time. It
2: should
1: the be 15th. 19th. The 19th is the next True Faith quiz. Please join in. We only do them to get kind of listener participation confirmed. A That's not
2: the only reason we do it because Doggett absolutely <laughs> loves doing a quiz. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, I enjoy a quiz, but I also enjoy the competition uh, from people who take part. So please get involved live, Radio Northumberland, 7 o'clock the 19th of February. Follow us on Twitter, TF Weekly Pod. Um, really appreciate everyone who does. And lads, what, what makes today special? Anything?
2: Today? Today,
1: of all days.
2: What was is it a year since?
1: No, I know you lads can't read. You might be able to put the lads here. Yeah, ben, and <laughs> Ben so I and Mickey have, have, said, have admitted many a time they just can't read. Can't read, refuse to read. <laughs> uh, the new True Faith uh, is out today, True Faith 124. If you're any castle fan and you listen to this, you should really be reading it. It's absolutely free of charge, which is, I think it's, you know, there's nothing else like it in the country, probably the world. So free, fanzine, uh, downloadable, you know, on your iPad, your phone, your laptop. Um, It's really good. I've I do the through black and white eye section, but there are many other class articles in it. So please have a read of it. Uh, You'll not regret it. So, I think even
3: includes a write-up of our day with Rob Lee oh is it Robert in Lee, is it in
1: <laughs> have you looked yeah, it's in oh it. yeah so in the new true faith as I si says our write-up of the podcast which most of you listen to when we had a little bit of pot-patter with Rob Lee Sai. no yes Si since you have to <laughs> you have to leave us very shortly uh, Newcastle United 1 West Brom nil. get in thoroughly enjoyed it again actually just like the West Ham game uh, i've written a lot for the true faith website recently i think it was before the preview to this match or the match review for everton one of the readers um said if you think we played really well against west ham you need to get your head checked or something yeah. uh, not having that we were superb against west ham just as we were west brom so say why the difference between that and wednesday's absolute fucking horror show
3: well, I think we've spoken a lot recently about McLaren's inability to set up a team away from home. And um, Wednesday was no different, as we all, we've all we all done it to death. It was absolutely appalling. Team set up totally wrong. Paul Dummett was on the pitch. Um, but it just, we, we just we we played the, the worst kind of game against a team that were going to have a lot of the ball. Obviously, at home to West Brom, we're going to have a lot of the ball. Get, get an attacking team out. Um and kind of have the team set up to to get at them, and that's what we did. Even though we still haven't played one up front, it, it's you can afford to have Genie in behind the striker as we did because he actually gets involved in the game. I still don't think had his best game. I think he was a little bit quiet, but he it's was involved. Says. Yeah, he missed a couple of good, good chances. Um, the header in particular, I've watched back and thought he he's just got to score. I don't know if, if you agree, but um, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, the other one was a bit of a harder chance. Um, the travel, the trans lot
1: is the one in the first half as well I think it's just before Townsend shot which goes for a corner yeah. where he just misses the ball and oh, he has yeah, no yeah, one I know he should really oh, yeah, yeah, do it yeah. better there but you know
3: he's, he's worth it L'Oreal <laughs> the, um, uh, the, the one thing I, it was for, I think people are getting a bit carried over with this performance personally I think it was alright with a better team and we deserved to win by probably one goal maybe he could have scored a couple more but 1-0 sure. one, one nil reflects kind of where we are right now 1-0 home to West Brom we've played well enough and we could easily have still let it slip and for once we haven't but that kind of performance isn't going to be good enough against the majority of the league that's just 11 players being slightly better than West Brom um, I thought one thing that really frustrated me was a couple of times I thought Mitrovic had a cracking game by the way um, he, he's got a lot of grief off his um in the past for being frustrated and missing chances but he took his chance well he took his goal well Um, but one thing that frustrated me about our formation around Mitrovic was he was quite isolated again I know we had Townsend on and Sissoko was involved in pretty much everything he was class Um, but there's times when teams like Watford for example when we've played Watford where if we make a mistake Troy Deeney will run away with the ball and is there as well there's two men Pounced on any mistake, and they they punished us, and teams with two up front can do that, especially at home. midrov every time like we got the ball in their half, like maybe they made a bad pass, we picked up the ball. It's just midrovichch surrounded by four players, and we never take advantage of that kind of chance. I don't know if, if anyone else noticed that, but just like if we get a snakey like interception in in their half we've got one player forward because of the way we play we everyone's straight back behind the ball and like Mitrovic has got to run on and try and take on four players and there's a couple of chances where
1: yeah you're missing the big one which is where West Brom gave the ball away and was staying in the interception and then <laughs> we played it through and scored oh <laughs>
3: yeah, well, no, yeah but he literally had to pick out a ball that got him in behind the defence there's a lot of times where he picks up the ball he's maybe got one or two men to beat but he's quickly overwhelmed because there was a chance um, running towards a Gallagher I can't remember um, what happened but we basically got the ball he turned and ran on with it and then within seconds he had four players on him and just kind of fluffed it and lost the ball and like, he looks really frustrated but he had no one near him so all he had was to try and run forward and do something but other teams especially in the Premier League this season Leicester, Watford have always got players ready to pounce on chance and take a chance like that we don't play like that and it's still quite frustrating that at home to West Brom we're not a bit more adventurous we're not a bit more kind of ready to sort of stick the knife in when, when we're so much better than the other team
2: just a quick point on that I think the reason for that is it's the mentality of the team our wide men have to do a hell of a lot of defensive work so they're probably expending more even
3: yeah.
2: (laughs) not that he does a huge amount of risk but they're they're expected to track back and and fulfil that role more so whereas other teams probably can afford to be a bit more gung-ho and and, and sort of put a lot more uh, sort of effort into breaking quickly Um, and I just think we don't particularly have a fast team as well to, to be able to cope with that I mean now we've got Townsend in the team and and obviously, so when it can be asked, can can put the foot down. But um, <clears throat> for for a while, we have just had a really slow squad. I mean, you look at the teams that do really well, at um, like Leicester, for example, we've got Morris and Vardy, who are absolutely lightning. Um, and, and obviously, the, the Man City's and Arsenal's have got bags of pace. It's something that we haven't really had. So I think I would expect that should start to improve once sort of Townsend gets settled in and and we we'll get opportunities to to sort of try and try and force a game a bit. I think I think you really harsh sigh on the performance
1: for <laughs> Muted the microphone there. The performance for Saturday, I Arthur Newcastle were were played really well. We played the big difference between that Wednesday were played as much football as possible in West Brom's part of the pitch. Uh, we were so deep against Everton that we would try whenever we had the ball it was in about 30 yards of our own goal and everyone just panicked. And when you talk Mitrovic being isolated, I don't think he was in the first half, and I think for the first 15 minutes of the second half, uh, I think after 60 minutes he flagged badly, and I know he, I know he had to keep the, you know, hold of the ball, but I thought it was strange that he, he wasn't replaced. But again, we've been saying this since the start of the season. He's still not he's still not fit enough to last 90 minutes in a game. He just yeah. looks absolutely nagged. and I think the the longer it went on at one nil, the deeper we got. Even though we still kept the respect of a respectable line. We played less and less football in West Brom, part of the pitch. And that led to, like you say, the isolation. But I think for the main part of the game, it was just. I, I couldn't fault McLaren, which is the first thing, time I've said that. The season tactical setup, the start to the game. Obviously, all of this is caveated by how fucking diabolical West Brom were. I mean, I thought we were bad. We were bad at Everton. That performance from West Brom then, the context of who they were playing as well, and the run, the run we're on. I know Everton went on a great run but Everton comfortably missed the table West Brom were playing one of the worst teams in the league and basically just sacked just no. it four central four fields and four centre backs
2: it was West West Ham last season last day the season again all over on it just, yeah. just weren't interested in family game football that's I mean you say you bit side's been a bit harsh I think that's why I'd said after it as well it was a good performance by Newcastle but that's the worst team I've seen <laughs> yeah. play at St James' Park this year and that's why it, I feel like it just takes the edge off a bit that we only won 1-0 against a team that we should have batted. I mean they didn't commit a man forward to support a for seventy minutes if that if if not more. Um and it, it was just I mean Nietzsche was all the hardest long balls up to him. Um I mean obviously I'm sure we'll come onto it about T O A but we'll handle we'll just handle what they, they they tried like really, really comfortably.
3: I think you said it after the game as well. Um thank thank God they put Craig Gardner on the right. <laughs> yeah so I like mean really strange we'll season. talk about
1: Orange in a bit so I'll leave that one there. But so si, I mean you have to sign off in a sec. Mm-hmm. Uh well because Mickey's not here, I haven't actually got anything on T O Day, so Cy, why don't you talk to us a little bit about his performance and were you surprised by A his inclusion and B the performance? Very
3: surprised to see him. I mean it's it's so strange that he, he's actually flown to China, hasn't he? he, yeah, he, he literally went out, he went weeks. he went out there and finally <laughs> come <back> speaking Chinese. <laughs> and then he's suddenly in the in the lineup, I know we're, we're a bit thin on the ground. Um we're still had Sai on the bench, didn't we? I sign for Sai just for that getting
1: the game
3: but at the, at the same time, has always kind of had it. And I think we've we've been his staunchest defenders and he's had some terrible performances over the last couple of years. But we've always been that kind of... His job isn't to create, create the play. It isn't to, to move the ball on. It's literally to make tackles, to make it difficult for the opponent in a half. And he just did that as well as he has done in the in the five years he's been here on Saturday. Um, he's just breaking everything down. And because... I don't wanna give Shelby too much praise too too soon, but he he was decent again, but he kinda checked you the the classic Teota Kabai thing was, was almost replicated. He'd win the ball, pass it on, and then Shelby would look for look for a ball and, and more often than not it was coming off. He was trying some very ambitious ones, but generally speaking, you know, that that that, that kind of midfield works. It's it's when we've had Teo and call back, and Anita. The tier, it looks terrible yeah. because he'll win the ball sometimes, give away a lot of fouls, but that's part of his game. But then it goes nowhere, and we the midfield lose the ball every time. And more than that's because he's been asked to hang on to it a lot, and he can't. He literally can't do that. He possibly thinks he can because of all the stupid things he does try to do, but he just can't be that player. When he's the player he was on Saturday, he's, it's, he's different, and it's obviously refreshing to see. Um, you know
1: what was good about him? He was absolutely unbelievable in the air. He won so many yeah. headers and it it's so frustrating because we played against West Brom there like we should have played against <laughs> Everton when they were playing balls up to Lukaku especially first half even Coney in the second half they should have let the back four drop but then we were so deep that wasn't an option but actually why why not against Everton push the back four up make Lukaku come even deeper for the ball I know he's got a bit of pace and put well on I think he might have been on the bench on Wednesday I'm not yeah, sure but put Savé on them who's a, not a small lad and make make him compete, and then if you win it, great. And if you don't win, it, you've got the back four behind. But I agree with you, a si, Fantastic performance, and yeah,
2: long may it continue. And if he's going to play like that every week, I hope he stays until the that, end of the season. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, that was the sort of funny thing. You, you mentioned that Mark Blades comment about Mickey before. Um, like, he's sort of trying to say that Mickey didn't know anything about football or something because he. He's spot on. He. he, he you know, <laughs> but about. His, like he um, him. About his. Like, Criticising Teot I can't remember what the two are exactly, but the, that's the problem with Teot is he's perfect in a game like that and also will come on another player, um later on, Steven Taylor. That's the perfect type of game for them against the Nichibee. Um but <laughs> put them against someone with real pace and sort of movement. Yeah, movement. We have absolutely like obliterated where I think so. I th- like I think, I mean, yeah, Mickey was wrong about his comments about Colbat and TOT not being anywhere near the Premier League. Well, very, good it, yeah. very good players, but I just think it's like let's not jump on TOT by saying oh he's back to his best yet. Yeah, he's had one great game in um, this season, and and he needs to be doing it more. At the end of the day, now he's staying. Um, but he it's not, it's He needs to, yeah, he needs to stay fit, and he needs to to know his role. He shouldn't overstep. He's he's he's. Play. I mean, at the end of the day, it's classic. We've got Shelby because, as you said, Shelby's probably the closest thing to Kalai we could have got. Um, I think that, on that, because we'll have to move on. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about Shelby now with you. Side, do you want to piss off?
3: Huh, right, fine. Just as I make my way out of the door, we, what do we remember? This was against the sharpest team in the league. <laughs> like, it's all for nothing again if we lose the next three games, which McLaren is more than, more than possible. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, we may as well not be too negative because we'll have enough opportunities throughout <laughs> the season to be just yeah. down in the. See drums. us next week. I'm gonna have a winch in the Yeah. Um, before I speak to Ben about uh, Shelby and Stephen Taylor and the, uh, the perceptions people have about them, I, I thought Newcastle were fantastic, and I said against after West Ham, it was the first time since February 2013 I can remember Newcastle playing really well at home and out footballing a team twice in a few twice in a few weeks is. Is pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. McLaren's pattern afterwards is ridiculous. Oh, well, most games have actually played like that. No, I haven't. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, Ben, John Joe Shelby, first of all, how good is he? There seems to be a massive variety in the level of performance he provides. And I'm only going off crowd, (laughs) crowd reactions, particularly to the away games we've been to. People get in his back very quickly. I spoke about this last last podcast, and it's like almost like they'd the rather he didn't try a pass, mm. and it's like they'd rather Mitrovic didn't miss the sitter than not have a chance at all. Yeah, yeah. But Shelby, first of all, how how good is he in your opinion?
2: Ah, for a long time, I and mean, I've said he he's one of sort of my favourite young players, um, along with Richie Smith, who you always yeah. sort of doffed off the cap when we're talking about him. I, I think he's just a really exciting player because of the the, the just his ability. Um, on the ball he can see a pass that not many can I mean that ball to um, Mitrovic for the goal like we haven't had a player like that since Kabay um, yeah. and it's been like in big time I mean Cissé would love that service. yeah exactly <laughs> just it's just what like any any striker worth worth yeah. salt like would can thrive on that we've just not had that for ages and that's why I think we've struggled so long um, he's the problem is obviously the Everton game just he didn't have it all his own way they were outmaned in the midfield um He's, he seems to be as well though. It's it's twice, so the Wasford game and Everton. Um, he's he's had sort of quite poor games, but I think it's more to do with the the fact that the opposition just know how to shut us down. Yeah, and when we play so deep, yeah, we play deep, and also there's other players that just can't play away from home. So when <laughs> Alden's one, we always so yeah. we're, we're essentially trying to play games with like eight men <laughs> away from home. You just you're not going to get anywhere. Um, just players keep going missing. There's the no way that likes of is making them class run forwards isn't he away yeah, from home exactly. and I think probably a lot of it is the mentality again I keep saying that way but McLaren's got a lot to do with setting out the teams like obviously advising them how he wants how how he wants them to play if they want to go and force a game and, and have a go at a team then yeah Daryl will be getting flying forward like we do at home but you get the, the sort of the feeling that he's telling, telling the back four to stick in the whole position and yeah. I mean, especially against Everton, like we didn't really look to, to sort of try and get forward. I mean, obviously, he was it on the left who can't kind of get forward anyway when he did, he fell <laughs> over. That, that
1: um, was, that's the sort of line of that this week. <laughs> it, it, looks, it looks worse now even we were three yards away from <laughs> it this, it was such a beast. But it's
2: just, I mean, I suppose as we well. Should have, we should have just got off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Enough's
1: enough.
2: <laughs> but I think it's just the, um, it, he he, he thrives on, on having those runners going forward. Um, I mean, I hate the term, but people always going about quarterbacks. Like I, I can't stand oh, it. No, in it in, yeah. As much as I'm uh, it's not, it's just it's a rubbish term. But you anyway,
1: uh, David Craig was asking the questions for Steve McLaren. David Craig, like everyone knows, is like um, you know the insider at the club. Like yeah, yeah. doesn't criticize them ever, ever. Like I'm sure he's a, a reasonable bloke, but it, it, it's not exactly the most objective set of questions he just led McLaren on the most, so that was unbelievably brilliant Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and he did the same thing with the quarterback, he
2: was like, well, what timing
4: what Super Bowl we get?
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's just, but it's it's that, it's that distribution, it's that, having that um, ability to pick someone out, I mean, he tried, he, he obviously created the goal against, the first goal against West Ham with an absolute brilliant, i oh, sorry, the second goal wasn't it, that brilliant rating pass Both to, to really Darrell, brilliant. no, but the first one where he sort of tried, he tried, smashed it like 60 yards no, it or whatever the one. The to the, first to the corner you cut it through midfield yeah, yeah, yeah. The no but I'm out. talking about yeah. the, the second one he tried to do it again oh, um, yeah. on Saturday and it didn't work but it, it's just that range of passing where it, it just didn't hold up, up for him but at least he's got that in his locker um, and I think his movement's absolute key to to the midfield when we're bringing the ball out um, he's he's always getting ahead of the player on the ball and giving them an, an option ahead and it was a bit I think he was getting a little bit frustrated by not getting the ball sometimes as well it was a yeah. bit rubbish from the centre backs
1: I watched the game as I always do uh, again on um, whatever Sky's feature highlight program you know where you can give of the day game of the day yeah. and um, several times in the first half I noticed didn't see as so much the second half the defenders were hitting it long not like carrying the hitting but yeah, making yeah. a bit of pressure and he was going nuts like saying yeah. how yeah. I am wide open was, yeah, yeah miles of, miles of room and the, and thing, and the thing that I like about him because I've, we've got to get on the Stephen Taylor mm-hmm. is um where teams like West Brom it makes them eminently more beatable because they're going to stand off you so much Mm -hmm. and because they're going to play deep it gives them loads of space and I've seen people in in the media say oh you know if you give John Joe Shelby that type of space but they weren't giving they weren't like just not closing down Shelby they weren't closing down Teoday so Ah, it wasn't it wasn't like it was just oh you left Shelby there they just sat back and for years we've struggled to beat trite mm-hmm. at home like where results especially in the you've always like you know beating Liverpool and Chelsea and all that which just really struggled when teams came the Manners are a great example yeah. not being able to beat terrible summon teams who come to play in their counter attack um, and I think I think this Shelby is is the future of this club <laughs> whatever <difference laughs> I think
5: just a quick point on it people have got to remember that he's he's still only something like 23 years old yeah and he's, he's going to frustrate. It's the same with Townsend. He's still not like, they've both been around for ages, but they don't have bags and bags of experience. And I think if this is how good Shelby is now, and if he stays for the next five years, can you imagine what he's going to be like once he starts getting a bit more now by him? Maybe not trying so many of those Hollywood passes or more of them just coming off. Um, he's only been I in the team he's, what like
2: has he played six games for us as well so like he's still learning everyone's runs how people play and stuff like that yeah. and one not, of, he's found a cracking player in Darrell who loves to make those bomber and runs on it um, like, I think he tweeted
5: after the game who thought would be imagining just our centre mid just playing worldy balls for the right back just non-stop yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like our best form of attack <laughs> but, uh, yeah uh, one of the things I sort of criticised him for Everton and I said he had to back it up with her performances, his finger pointing. But I think after was it four games he's played for us now, like he's he's not shying away from giving people like Coloccini a bit of grief when they're not they're not playing to their best, um, which is positive. But you know he has to back it up himself, which he didn't do at Everton.
2: So a future captain potentially,
1: though. Oh, definitely. Uh, we'll crack on because we've got lots to get through. Um, ben the man who came back into the fray this weekend after what his only, the only game he started this season was Man U he was superb Class, huh? uh, Stephen Taylor is he better than Chancellor and Bember at this moment in time uh, yeah not no. a, not a chance he's
5: got, he's got a
2: swagger back <laughs> a bit of uh, I, I did uh, I, th- I remember you laughing at us when we did one of the pre-season radio shows by saying I think we've got enough because we've got Taylor in, in reserve is a, a good Premier League player and you try to laugh at his saying he just wasn't anywhere near good enough I think oh, I, I I'd like to see that but footage but go, go, go and listen back though you can, well, you can you find it, sure. the i I remember it I remember it <laughs> like it was have, yesterday I,
1: have, I can imagine laughing off like oh we don't need another defender because we've got Stephen Taylor like, as if he's going to be fit yeah, yeah, yeah. prove right there potentially
2: but he's just that nah, now nah, don't get it wrong I mean he's
1: <laughs> sorry no no dog is wrong <laughs> what he just went no no dog is wrong
6: <laughs> No, no,
2: I said don't get us
6: wrong. Oh, right. I thought you said,
2: like, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, no, like, I think what it is, he knows what he what, what his level is. He knows what he's good at. It's now, like so long to get I know to it, it has, hasn't it? Just, I used to hate him. Like, I used to think people would, like, just, he was so overrated and people going about England and stuff like It was just rubbish. And, and he used to frustrate us because he'd get away with a lot of, um, he'd get away without getting abused when he was at fault for, like, sort of half goal sort of thing but I think he's learnt his game now and I would I'd say is the best defender at the, at the club but I'd happily see him play ahead of Colacini in certain games against the likes of a and uh, in a niche beat where it's a physical battle that Colo like just can't you can't match up to um, Colo's game's about reading the game and position and stuff like that which and, and he's obviously brilliant on the ball
5: Coloccini can do, it, but he has to have a game like he did against West Brom, where he's actually playing well. Because when he's playing well, he's, he can be one of the better defenders in the league. But too often, mm-hmm. recently, we've seen the bad Colacini. Mm-hmm. Just gets yeah, right, He just gets bullied out of games by strikers like that.
2: He needs he needs competition though, and that's what what hopefully Taylor's going to give him. Whereas Williamson, who was the third choice before? Just you, you can't. He's not. He's not putting anyone under any the, pressure, the, is he?
1: You know the good thing about Taylor is. Taylor and Coluccini have been playing together for eight yeah, yeah. eight years <laughs> gonna have a testimonial for the two of them as like a partnership <laughs> yeah. and I just I just thought this, the partnership between them against West Pro again albeit against not a lot mm-hmm. was seamless They know how to support each other and I don't know I think the Coluccini and Bemba partnership as well as and Bemba's play in patches I think as a partnership because the. Pretty much the both very similar, the players, same they? player. They both don't mind being in possession. They do both like. They both enjoy bringing the ball out, Fairly and play. I just think they're the same player, and I, I agree with what you say. I would play for the rest of the season. I mean, Mbembe might be out for it anyway, but yeah. I would play Taylor, provided he can stay fit for five minutes. Taylor and Colaccini for the rest of the season. I really would. Um, Stephen Taylor always got a red card in them as well. Let's <laughs> not forget. Was it Man City away? Like a couple of years ago in the opening day, just when just they just, smashed yeah. Aguero in the face oh, yeah, and yeah, left yeah, for a play 80 minutes yeah, with her. A- no. So he's he is an idiot, uh, but I think he, he's an idiot who performed really well.
5: Yeah, I was going to say before, uh, I don't think this is the right word for him, but he's got a bit more maturity. Back. <laughs> I think that's a word you can use in the same sentence as Stephen Taylor. He looks but, old Compared to what he
1: did, I mean, it's probably all that time on the treatment table. <laughs> we'll have to crack on because time is ticking. So I appreciate that, Ben. I think you made some really good points. Sticking with the defence Bollins, here is your chance to shine. The left-back scenario. Quite a few people twit- on Twitter on Sunday Saturday nights were suggesting that the left-back issue had been solved with Rolando Aaron's. Is that true? Is he better than Dummets? Um Could he be a left-back for the rest of his career, or certainly the rest of the season? And where does Hydara fit into this conversation?
5: So, yeah, Ahrens, I think it's important to sort of take a step back and realise this is one game against... Craig Gardner (laughs) like and then then
1: it was like Um,
5: we were sort of saying why is he not just stuck McLean on the other side like get someone to run at him Um, but uh, (laughs) to be fair to him one of the things I was worried about was sort of the long balls coming up from West Brom and how he'd cover them and he stuck his head in and he got involved and I think he played really well especially one of the things we've criticised in the past is not really having a left side I think at times we still looked hesitant to give him the ball, but when he got on the ball, I think some of the crosses he put on into the box were the best by anyone on the pitch. Like this kid's, I think we could have a real superstar in our hands with this lad. But you have to wait and see how he does against someone like William next week. Yes, like it's Um, going to be a totally different game for him. He's going to have someone who's actually a competent right winger running at him non-stop putting balls at <laughs> the box did, did
2: you not watch the Chelsea Man United game on, on uh, Sunday Willian had the worst game I've ever seen I think <laughs> in knowing full well that he's got to come up against Rolando <laughs> Arrows <around laughs> next week I think he was quite in his boots But yeah. get himself dropped <laughs> to, to be
5: fair as awful of ch- as Chelsea have been this year Willian's probably been the only one maybe barring the Man United game that uh, uh, actually got something about him but um, yeah I sort of think it's, it's important to sort of keep a perspective on this it's one game he played well. He deserves his chance against Chelsea, I think. But, uh, so you, you would know, play Michael Domit if Domit's back against Chelsea? Yeah, I think on the back of that, I mean, we're probably not going to get something from Chelsea anyway. So on the back of that performance, we might as well give him another shot. Um, as far as those two sort of fit into it, Haidara can't stay fit for you know, more than four games at a time. I don't rate him when he's played. Although I had a player comparison on Squawker earlier, and he's actually. Got the best stats out of the three of them somehow. Um, but yeah, and I think he just, he often, like when he got, them, especially at home. Just that he, he should do because he's actually a left
2: back. He's, like, <laughs> he's sort of trained for years and been like coached as a left back as opposed to left winger Rolando Aarons and centre back Paul Dummett. But yeah, correct on. But um,
5: I think at home, there's no reason we we can't get away with playing Aarons. But I think in the long run, especially away from home, I think Dummett's probably got to come back into the side. Um, you know, teams like Stoke and Chelsea aren't going to give us as much of an easy time as West Brom did. Um, I don't know what you guys thoughts on that? Uh, definitely, I, mean, I think he's he's obviously got real ability going forward. I and mean, you were saying, I think on
2: Wednesday that he could be like a sort of Raheem Sterling type type player. Um, it's just one of those things. He's, he's he's got so much ability going forward. As you say, it's rare that I'd like that we've actually got someone in the club that can cross. i for ages like it's done my head in that we just nobody can cross a ball. Um, he put in some really dangerous crosses on on Saturday, getting forward, and I think it's you look at how well sorts of Sotirian might do on the right. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Townsend and Narens could do um, as a, as they sort of grow a partnership together because they both got loads of pace. They'll cause teams a lot of trouble on the on the counter attack, and the difference with Dummett is Dummett won't give those overlapping runs for Townsend. He also won't keep an attacking right winger back.
1: You will occupy Sarin's. Yeah. Like Gar would spend more time uh, defending. defending against yeah. Sarin's than yeah. vice versa, which, which, which is the thing which just doesn't do. Yeah. And
2: it gives this, sp- and then it opens up the space for Townsend. where he's, he's yeah. not got two, three men on him all the time. He's, he's yeah. only maybe up against one or two. Where even saw Sergio in the second him. half. He played new in the up. second mm-hmm. half to the left, probably to give
1: Aarons a bit more protection. Him, mm-hmm. But actually, brought on a right winger, and Sosogo again
5: benefited greatly from that space probably that not. you're talking okay. about. Yeah. Possibly we were talking before that we were actually played a lot higher up the pitch against oh, West Brom as well yeah. and I think in part that was allowed because Aaron's is actually quite quick yeah, whereas if you do that with Dummett and there's, yeah. a, there's a proper right winger playing against Dummett he he's going to get caught out. Um, so. I, I was really impressed with Aaron's defensive ability
2: though Like he, he put in some really good tackles there was one or two moments where I think he, he got caught on the ball and, and it was a bit A bit sort of risky, but you're going to get that with young players, and and he didn't. We didn't look it. We didn't get burnt, sort of fingers burnt by it. And I'd, I'd, I'd stick with him for the rest of the season. I mean, I'm sure that's the least thing he wants to hear. He he doesn't want to be playing left back, but I suppose
5: it's just getting, getting game time. Um, Got to get him on the pitch where we can He deserves a chance, and I think I don't know what his contract situation is at the minute, but they need to get that sorted out because we think Townsend's obviously the number one on the left wing. But if he goes down injured or gets suspended or. However, maybe Aaron's is just a you know, brilliant option to have come into that position now. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I don't know what it is with them; need to get it sorted out. Uh, just, just briefly
1: disagree with you, Roland. I thought he played really, really well. Honestly, far surpassed my expectations. Great performance, loads of potential, but he's just, he's just can't defend. If Mbappe was fit, I'd put him straight in. Apparently, he's not far away. I'd play Colback ahead of him because Colback has ability going forward. I just don't. I just can't see him. From what we saw, at Everton. Just right? Yeah, from what we saw, at Everton.
2: You play Colback
1: ahead of Aaron. Yeah, left back. Really? If no. yeah, but, but Aaron oh, just ah, can't. He just can't defend. I mean, he did really well. Don't get us wrong, but how I was saw Everton, he just yeah, got. Colback defence. Sit
5: on the back of that West Brom performance. He deserves a chance now to show he can do it. I mean, the Everton game was a horrible game to get thrown into. We were playing I, terrible.
1: I just think we're we're too. It, much in the shit to be given players chances to show what they're going to do. I think we just need to play the best player. <laughs> we, we
2: don't have that though We don't have those up options. We've no, but was, we, it it
1: if we if Kolarov, and Babu came back, then uh, he would be uh, Aaron's maybe fourth choice at left back. But listen, whatever happens, happens. I hope I'm wrong, but you can't. you cannot defend. <laughs> well,
5: you showed he showed against West Brom, Literally, was great, Craig I, Gardner. Yeah, <laughs> 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 like
1: Craig Gardner. I could defend against Craig Gardner at left back. um Right, I'm going to move on to talk about the remaining fixtures and where this leaves us moving forwards because it was a cracking weekend for results. Norwich got beat to get us out of the bottom three. They looked like they were in absolute <laughs> dire straits despite major investment in the window. Thank you, Vile. Yeah, thanks very much, Vile. Only time probably ever, apart from maybe when the plate Nah, ever I want them to win. <laughs> uh, Sunderland's snakes, the snakiest of draws that were, diabolical by all accounts, disgraceful... At Le- Liverpool, genuinely, hey, even for like even team. for Allardyce, they were disgraceful. But well, I suppose picking up points when you play like a, a team that doesn't like fancy looks like they're little lads football. who do really yeah. enjoy playing football. But you know, if you take points of that, fair play.
5: They've got someone who can score goals to
1: We do They'll score goals. We do have to That's right. Be sure if you got injured. Um, I think he has picked up a knock actually. Yeah, I think he'd be back for manio, I think next week. But anyway. So that was good. Obviously, we extended our our points total to four over Sunderland. Uh, we're one ahead of Norwich, and who cares about Vial. We're, only, we're four pointers behind Bournemouth and five behind West Brom. and
6: Swansea?
1: Swansea. Maybe four behind Swansea. Or three behind Swansea, sorry. Three behind Swansea. So anyway, still plenty going on. So I thought i will have a quick look at the rest of the season. Straight out of the uh, straight out thing that jumps out of here is Sunderland are up against it fixture wise. Sunderland have got Man United at home, West Ham away, Palace at home, Southampton away, Everton, at home, Newcastle away, West Brom at home, Leicester at home, Norwich away, Arsenal at home, Stoke away, Chelsea at home, Watford away. So they only have Palace and West Brom at home who are currently in the bottom half of the league. Newcastle have Chelsea and Stoke to follow away, hard games, Man City at home, hard game. Bournemouth at home, Leicester away, Sunderland at home, Norwich away, Southampton away, Swansea at home, uh, Liverpool away, Palace at home, Villa away and Spurs at home. Not the easiest set of fixtures, but we'll have four of our immediate relegation rivals while Palace on them. So three of our immediate relegation rivals to play at home. So that's a massive coup. Bournemouth, Swansea and Sunderland. So Is this you retracting your your article you put today the day about how we're going down? Well, I, th- I thought we we're going down because I didn't think McLaren had it in them, but it changes every week. Um, so we we we've got hard we've got hard away games. You know, we've got Chelsea, we've got Stoke on a, again a disastrous run of form, but still hard game. Take a point right now. Uh, Leicester's obviously Leicester is hard. Norwich are shite, but you know we can't even create a chance away from home that learns score. Southampton are flying. Liverpool are average, so you never know. And vile are vile, despite their recent upturn in form. You, it's you'd say Newcastle's away from there. You're struggling to get two wins. Uh, you know, I'm like uh, t- you take. Two, get any. Newcastle. Yeah, you take you, t- you take five points now. No, Newcastle away from home, which would put one twenty nine. The home games, though. I mean, I still you st- Newcastle at home. You still think you can beat the likes of Spurs and Man City? Mm-hmm. You do. I think Newcastle are, are capable of winning those games
2: especially the, some of the games they've put in recently I mean Man City haven't looked no looked since Pellegrini announced he was going they've looked disgraceful I mean then we've got that,
1: like I said we've got the four winnable games Palace Bournemouth Sunderland and Swansea at home I mean absolute minimum nine points eight nine points out of that and that would get you to 37 or 38 points and that's maybe a negative how are, you, how are you getting eight points out of three games four games oh right sorry uh, <laughs> So anyway, at Newcastle's fixture list, which means fuck all. Like, I think it's a lot kinder than Sunderland's. You then look at um, Norwich, West Ham at home, hard game. Leicester away, hard game. Chelsea at home, hard game. Swansea away, massive game, hard game. Man City at home. Swansea away? Yeah, Norwich got Swansea away. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Man City at home, hard game. I, I know we've just talked about it, but we, we haven't lost fucking seven in a row, whatever <laughs> it is. Or nine and twelve um, we will probably have, but uh, West Brom away, yeah, that's something they're going to have to target. Presuming West Brom improve, though, but you never know. Then they've got the massive game against us. Probably an easy game. Palace away, Sunderland at home, Watford at home, Arsenal away, Man Evans, So again, very few teams in the bottom of the table there. A lot of top half teams for Norwich to play, and it's just, it, it looks like that's going to be a, a really hard, a really hard sell for them. Uh, is there another team we looked at? I right, vile or bothered. Liverpool, oh, Liverpool, don't. Stoke, Everton, City, Spurs, Swansea, so the Chelsea, like, the, ne- the next six, seven games them are absolutely rock good. <laughs> Hope they lose every single one of them. Um, yeah, so that's it, and thanks very much to, oh, what's the lads' name, to Martin, with a funny thing above the A, at Kieran VX. I really appreciate you sending us those fixtures. Uh, really good crap, mate appreciate it. Uh, lads, I think that about does it for the Newcastle United section. Bond quickly, what do you think this massive like two and a half week gap we have got after
5: Chelsea helps or hinders the side? Um, we're coming off the back of a win. I'm not sure it's great for us as we desperately need to start building some sort of momentum, so a two and a half week break is not not ideal. Having said that, it might give us a chance to get a few more bodies back in the squad, as you say I think Hydara's coming That's back, Colback's exactly coming says. back. Nita's back soon all the use that he'll be uh, even, I think Cissé is supposed to be back in training soon as well so it could be good for us to get some of them back but ideally I'd want to play again as soon as possible um, rather than have this big wait in between
2: I think it's a funny one um, obviously McLaren's meant to be a coach so you'd think two weeks on the, the training ground they can actually prepare a proper game plan for the next game but then it's Steve McLaren who also, is showing we himself we ten, we to ten days before Everton. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> and <they've turned> out <laughs> exactly exactly. And that's my worry is that it's it is Steve McLaren who hasn't like whenever he's had these opportunities, hasn't really made the use full use of it and you just like the team comes out looking like a team completely unprepared. I mean we said at Everton it was a disgrace, like they just didn't have a game plan or anything like that. So you you question like really <laughs> has he gotten in him to do the job properly? But um it's got I mean I, th- I think it's it's got its benefits and it's I mean, obviously it's um, it's it's problems I mean ideally you would want to go after a performance like that where the confidence is getting back up you want to be straight back on the pitch again um, doing it again but at the same time maybe it's that, that preparation time could come in handy um, to, to sort of prepare for, for the threats that are coming to so I, th- I think it can work both ways obviously the worry is that it's giving Steve McLaren more time with the lads and to put ridiculous ideas in for their heads train it out of them exactly <laughs> right so that's it for the Newcastle United part
1: of the show hope you've enjoyed it Uh going to take a short break and we're going to have Mike Crean Premier League Pod Premier League correspondent on to talk about uh, Chelsea the Champions League places regarding uh, money for next season and also ticket prices and the Liverpool 77 minute walkouts <laughs> So, I'm joined on the line, very fortunately, as always, by Mike Crean. Hello, Mike.
6: Hello, it's all again.
1: Champion, thanks. You can follow Mike uh, very simply at Michael Crean, Crean with an E, on Twitter. This week, Mike, uh, we're going to start off talking about uh, an incident, a non-footballing incident, which dominated a lot of news coverage since, and that is the Liverpool fans' 77th minute walkout during their game against uh, Sunderland at the weekend, game which unfortunately they drew 2-2. Whether the players were affected by the walkout, uh, only they know, but you probably, I'd probably assume they were. I don't know why they were affected enough to concede two goals to the worst team in the league, bar Vile. Um, first of all, just get your general points on it. What did you make of the 77th minute walkout and why don't you give the listeners a little bit of background about it in case they're, they're not as uh, clued up as you? Yeah, well, I definitely see where the, the Liverpool fans are coming from. So this is um, it's uh, the 77th minute ticket. It's a 77 pound ticket. is going to be there, the top price ticket in the new stand at uh, Liverpool for next season. So I certainly see where they're coming from. The, the only thing is, I'm quite sceptical about about the effect, the impact that they'll actually make. If you look at the recent years, the uh, the football authorities, football clubs, and, and, and how they've listened and to that. On fans' protests, and look at the football league for a perfect example. They a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, um, summon all the clubs in the football league about bringing safe standing back, and it was a majority, overwhelming majority, said they'd like to have it back. The football league and two, three years later, absolutely nothing's been done. But see the same happening really with this. It. Um, it's a bit of a travesty, really, because so if you look at the TV money now coming I mean, to, the, to the league at the end of the season. The actual proportion of the clubs' revenue that comes from these, these game receipts is, is, is fairly negligible, really. Um, the, the Sunday supplement the other day, um, I talked about an interview with David Gold from West Ham, and he said, in the, putting the frontiers clubs going into the Olympic Stadium next year would only get them an the extra five million for the season. Hmm. So if you look at that, that that's not going to make a difference to a friendly league club is it? if you think about how much they're going to get from the TV money. Um, it, it, it's really really quite noticeable and it? it, it, it's an insult. I think it's more of an insult than it ever ever has been in the past because they, they don't need to it's not like they're a to the elite team that, that needs that those those gay to keep going. Um but, but I just think the attitudes from both the authorities and the individual clubs are are struggle to see um how, how it's gonna make an impact on board. Um, yeah, agree. Just to pick you up on a point there about you don't know how much impact the walkout has had. I disagree slightly. I mean, one example that's close to us is I, I wasn't convinced about the boycott of the Spurs game last year when I, I think at least 30,000 people at least didn't attend that game. Uh, before that, I think Newcastle had spent a derisory amount in the previous eight years under Mike Ashley. This, they had a little splurge last summer, uh, 30 million quid or something. Since that, Mike Ashley has come on television and said that he wants to finish in the top four and spent nearly £100 million. Now, the two might not be connected, but I, I believe that they definitely are. I think Liverpool fans can take some inspiration from that, although this is a different fight. The other thing is that the, seven, the almost the walkout has all, already achieved its goals. Look at who's been talking about this. Gary Linegar has been talking about this on Twitter. Every football journalist... All over the shop, you know. We had articles all over the place in all of the the national newspapers. Um, Alan Shearer, on much of the day, was talking about it. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's been talking about it. Brendan Rodgers has been talking about it in a couple of interviews he's done. Um, so the the walkout. I think if, if 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 the walkout hadn't happened, there would have been very little coverage. So from a PR point of view, it's already been a major success. Do you honestly? Right. I know it's obviously it's popular to say or it's populist to say, you know. The price of Premier League football and the quality of the product means that prices are are likely to go up, particularly with the way that many clubs, Liverpool included, have readily accepted foreign owners with for open arms. And not all Liverpool fans, but a lot of Liverpool fans were delighted delighted when FSG saved the club almost from uh, the other Hicks and Americans, Hicks and Gillette. Do you think this is this has always been coming? I mean, do you think there's an argument to say, listen? I mean, this is a bit harsh, but lay, lay with dogs, get up with fleas. Or do you think that you know that shouldn't come into uh, consideration? Well, well, first
6: off, that's the first time I've ever heard lay with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a famous saying. Um, um, Ask, Ask a dog. Who's <laughs> been laying with dogs? <laughs> I, think, uh, <laughs> I think I think I see I see your point,
2: and I think that's what I'm worried about really. I think if you look at the audience,
6: uh, the, the new audiences that are being attracted to football and. and Seen over the past 15 years or so, you know the the, the demographic of people at football matches are starting to change. And what I would worry about along those lines is that, yeah, that the, the hardcore people, a lot of a lot of working class people, won't be able to go, won't be able to take their sons, daughters um, to, to a game. But in their stead, um, there'll be plenty of people um, willing to pay that 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 sort of money to get into a game regularly. So. I think there's a there's a there's a big danger in, in, in losing that real that real heart and soul of the club. But I think from the club's point of view, um, yes, they're being put under under pressure from a from a PR point of view um, because of this. And yeah, obviously that that is a certain impact that the protest has had. But I just think the
5: um, I think it's good that they've made this stand because I I think the Liverpool chief executive said it's less than 1% of the seats that are affected in Anfield. But you sort of feel a bit like if they'd got away with doing it with less than 1% of the seats putting up to 77, they might have just done it for another 500 seats. And sort of where does it stop? So I think it's quite good that Liverpool have sort of Made. Liverpool fans have made a stand at it so early the,
1: the thing about it as well is it's not just putting prices up, it's Liverpool are opening this new stand, it will take the capacity to 54000 uh, And Liverpool have openly acknowledged that the hospitality um, that the new stand provides will pay for the new stand, I have a box in Newcastle which listeners may or may not know, uh, alongside my season tickets, it's entirely for business use um, and the cost is about Twenty-three thousand pounds a year, um, plus that. The cost for a box at Liverpool is currently a hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> um, I don't. I have to share mine. I couldn't afford as a business to, to take it to take it all, and plus I wouldn't want to go every I prefer But being with the lads, let me see, it, swearing <laughs> at the team. Um, but if you look at the figures involved from hospitality in the Premier League at places like Spurs, Arsenal, Man United, it's so lucrative. That if anything, the hospitality should be acting as a buffer to keep ticket prices cheap for the fans in question. So, Liverpool, have, as a club, have possibly a closer relationship or affinity with their fans than most because of past events. That uh, some football fans, Newcastle fans, might disagree with me there, but that's certainly the way it looks from the outside looking in. Um, you know, especially the, you know, the Liverpool fans were so vocal and mobile during Hicks and Gillette, that I don't know how FSG thought they'd ever get away with this, and the—I mean, Ian, did you see the press conference? You, 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 I think yeah. I genuinely think they called him back from holiday. They must have been at the last minute because he was—he was wearing like casual clothes and talking like this. And there's a fair amount of just absolute bluster revolving around nine-pound tickets. Well, one thousand of the eight hundred thousand odd tickets next year will cost nine pound for kids, and. The, the the pertinent question moving forwards is at what level is it okay for a football club to just start ripping people off? Because Liverpool are saying, well, you know what, we're, we're, we're providing some of the most competitive under 21 pricing available in the league you know, to, to help young fans. What, what's the message there? Is it alright, mate? Or alright, mate, um, yeah, you're 15, you can get yourself into Liverpool for a very cost effective price, no problem. But you better be sorted by the time you're 22, because if you're not, you're not coming in here. <laughs> unless you, I mean, unless you've just left uni with a very solid graduate job, you you cannot afford to get in here because prices are so high. Presuming prices haven't gone up anymore in that time, so I think there's a lot of um, very questionable stuff from from Liverpool here, and, and it's disappointing to see. Mike, do you think that? Do you think that FSG and the Premier League will take any notice of this? Do you think that this is the, the start of the turn of the tide regarding ticket prices, or do you think this is uh, an unwinnable battle for Liverpool fans and all football fans? Well, I think
6: if you look at if you look at the nuts and bolts of it, it, it makes it wouldn't hurt the club that you said all of money being corporate in the TV market. It certainly would hurt them um, to to you know to supplement actual actual ticket prices. I um, think. Liverpool is an interesting one in particular, as you said, because that that, that a stronger link between the club and the fans, and obviously Klopp now as well in a bit of a difficult situation, Klopp and Dortmund, uh, very much a people's club, and the position itself very much like that as well, so I think they're the perfect example, if, if, if a club is going to fall to this, um, then, then it could be them, but um, yeah, I'm just worry I think the footballing authority, looked on several occasions over the last few years don't show much evidence of, of supporting fans or caring about what fans think. So you've only got to look at the FA Cup semi-finals. Teams coming down from the north of England, persistently no training put off the people. Just little things like that that, 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 just, that just make you lose confidence in the people I think game, that they actually have the best interests of in fans at heart. It's certainly very doable <laughs> for them to, to supplement uh, ticket prices uh, with the money coming into the game. But
1: I, uh, I still have my damn Cool, I think that's very insightful. Thanks, Mike. I know uh talking of money, um which you know, as a Premier League football fan you have to do to to discuss the game, unfortunately. Uh Ben, I know you've got a couple of questions for Mike about uh next season and the rise and rise of Leicester City and Tottenham Hotspur this season. I don't that would be Bolland. That Take would be out. Bolland. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Bolland, <laughs> Same for you, take it away. What do you want to ask,
5: Mike? Yeah, so uh, with the increased TV money coming in this summer, um, do you think this could sort of be the start of a, the formation of another big club? And uh, with another strong summer transfer window coming up and uh, possibly Champions League money to play off as well, do you think that these guys could start competing with the likes of Manchester City and Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal? Um, personally, yeah. So, sorry, personally I sort of I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen it's sort of The money that Man United and Man City And Chelsea and even Arsenal Have got to play with now uh, I think it just leaves them still With a massive, massive advantage over the others Although the gap is definitely cl- closing uh, I was Just wondering what your thoughts were on that Yeah, I, I think it's, Yeah, you're right It's
6: uh, it's a big uh, It's a big challenge for us I think for Leicester it would probably be a bit, bit far Going from relegation to
5: I suppose I think Spurs are probably the one that you'd look at and say that could break into the top four on a fairly regular basis. But if, you know, teams like Leicester, probably West Ham, and Southampton is all the teams that you, you could benefit from this quite well. But yeah, I just don't think the sort of financial muscle that the teams like Spurs are going to have, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Chelsea. I just don't. I don't see another. I don't see Leicester, for example, maintaining this over five years. I think this is very much just a flash in the pan. They might get into the Champions League. Well, they probably will get into the Champions League now. Well, they will. Yeah, they um, but I don't. You know, i you
1: well, know, they be willing the, to bet. Champions they League won't.
5: There's another thing. People keep talking about the top four,
1: but the top three is so much more important to avoid the qualifier, which go. is unseeded. So you could
5: get a, 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 a good, very like good team. For team, Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I can't see Leicester maintaining it over sort of five years. I don't. I, would bet money that they won't be in the top six next year is my opinion I think this is just a one off
1: Mike do you do you believe that if we're I mean Leicester and Spurs are kind of different examples because obviously Spurs have been up in the, the top six of the Premier League for about yeah, they've been the 15 t- for a long t- time 10 maybe. years now so obviously they're a little different obviously if Leicester win the league that blows everything out of the water but they the, the kind of foundation that Spurs have and the season take weight in this which Leicester don't have uh, counts in Spurs' favour do you see any great power shift between Spurs and Arsenal or do you think that Arsenal I mean every time Spurs go above Arsenal on Twitter Arsenal fans come out saying it's only, it's only February all this kind of stuff and Spurs, for my money Spurs are a better team than Arsenal this season yeah. uh, you know they, they, they are just a better football team uh, do you see any kind of power shift there do you think Arsenal are still North London number one well however uh, uh, I answer this really I'm going to get stronger first. them Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the Spurs fans down here the but um, I think I think for, for a real power shift you've got to judge it every least you've got to be, seasoned, to be perfectly honest yeah. um, uh, I think Arsenal as we've said for a long time they get just two players really, you know, a strong centre half and a it's uh, well 10 to 4 I wasn't uh, maybe I phrased it I was kind of saying do you think there'll be one but yeah you make a lot of solid points there very briefly before handing hand over to Ben uh, just one thing on Leicester I mean I want Leicester to win the league I think most people do but yeah. no, no you don't no. right balance. I think we've been through this before haven't we uh, what a, a spoil sport but the fairy tale story isn't really complete because Leicester broke pretty much every financial fair play we were going to get into the Premier League <laughs> so so realistically whoever didn't come up a couple of seasons ago has every right to be aggrieved that Leicester cheated their way to get there but you know who's who's counting the other thing is Leicester are the worst thing to happen to Arsene Wenger ever ever <laughs> like all this pattern about there being no good players to buy and no one to improve the squad and you know will have to be financially prudent and financial fair play and you know like just buy, build a new stadium and pay off the stadium and you know we've been consistently at the top. Well, Leicester are absolutely outperforming any Arsenal team of the past ten years, <laughs> yeah. and they're doing it with a with a team that costs nineteen million oh, quid. Joking,
2: yeah. So here's Ben. Yeah. Just uh, it, it is quite funny. Just on that last point, you talked about Wenger. It's, you, you say sort of where the shift of power is. It will be interesting to see how he reacts because obviously every club's going to get massive um, sort of boost in, in, in their financial power. Um, and obviously he's <laughs> he's famous for, for not liking to spend money obviously they bought Ozil and Sanchez but that was after years of not really spending any money um, do you think he'll have to change his, his, his ways to, to sort of stave off the challenge Mike? Um, I don't think he will have to because uh, I think he, he's probably safer in a job he's just safe a job <laughs> yeah. isn't it? True. Um, whatever he does he
6: can he can, he can pretty much keep to get over and uh, he's not going to get the bullet. So, do you think, do you think um, if
2: they they didn't get top four he wouldn't get sacked? Yeah, no, of course he would Arsenal, Arsenal will not sack him. But the only way that Benio will leave Arsenal is if he, he, he leaves on his own accord. And that may well not be the case if they don't get top four that he'll, he'll shoot for the end. I don't think it would be. Um, I think it's it's lost management job. Um, and yeah, he's just so deeply entrenched in that club. And
6: at the club, um, from from, what the league, from a lot of the Arsenal fans, thinking about the finances of the club, they're very happy for people on that board to make enough money in the club to, you know, to, 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 keep, to keep picking over around the top of the league, but there doesn't seem to be a burning desire to, to win anything. Um, and I think to me yeah. to we go to the MSAT, that Superbeck is just fine. Oh, I can't see him, see him going, other than uh, when he decides to stop.
1: Trampion, speaking of London teams underperforming on a massive scale, Ben, I know you want to ask Mike a couple of questions about this Chelsea side.
2: Yeah, so um, we obviously did the preview at the start of the season where we all thought they would run away with the yeah. league, um, I think I made the point that the Mourinho made some mistakes by not strengthening the squad but I didn't foresee the the, <laughs> the current plight of the side and um, they've sort of had a few false dawns in recent weeks they seem to be getting back on track but then they followed up with some shocking results how long do you think it's going to take for this team to recover?
6: Um, I, I think it'll be longer than people expect to the moment. since things come it, in it's been a bit odd he somehow seems to have, <laughs> have been the last majority of the media into, into thinking that Chelsea really turning a corner but well, obviously hasn't been as poisonous as and, and it was under Mourinho he's got a lot of drawers. a lot of quite underwhelming results to be honest and I think there's a lot of work to do there for any new manager coming in and I don't think a new manager coming in this summer regardless of who it is would need to be uh, turned the tap on. Uh, I think it goes a lot deeper than that. If you, you look at Chelsea's squad now, um, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of strength in depth obviously because Zuma getting into now, Terry looking like he'll be off at the end of the year. Um, they're looking, starting to look light at the back. They're back up for, for full-back to be looking at the midfield, they've got Mikel to come in now and uh, back up. Nothing really up top besides Costa. And I think all over the they're, quad they're looking a bit a, a, bit, um, a bit, weak really. Um, and it will take a big, big overhaul. Especially if, um, as a brand, you seems to be committed to, again, trying to follow this, uh, this attractive style of football that you want to, to, to win things with. Huh. That again is is going to change things around, And that can take time for a manager to come in and and, and implement a new style in a stuff like that. But I just think that the, the Chelsea have had success now for quite a while, changing managers. They've changed managers regularly, and they still be big winning trophies and, and competing at fairly regular basis. And people have I think come under the impression that, that 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 you know that that model works fine and and, and will continue to do so. But I just think because of that consistency, and changing over the past, well, wow, I so 10 years really, um, there are some deep lying issues that, that, that have not been addressed. If you look, they're not really developing any new players coming through. I think there are a lot more teams competing with them now, um, with the big bucks, even, even those in China now who can come in and, and, and spend um, silly money on players. So there's a lot more for Chelsea to handle now, and I, and I think that, that squad um, is really getting sterile and this i not behind those, um, you know, the, the the first 13-14 players that you directly you'd start with. Mm. Um, uh, I think it. Will,
1: I think it will take a lot longer and a lot more than just one change manager and one summer to to turn that run. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I'd be. I totally agree with that, and the fact that if Newcastle beat Chelsea this weekend, which is a big if considering we just can't play football away from home, um, would be three points behind them, which is embarrassing for a club like Chelsea considering how dire Newcastle have been this season <laughs> uh, to be even six points ahead of us at this stage having changed manager is still poor uh, and
2: I agree with everything you say We've run out of time unless there's anything you want to just one quick uh, question just on the you mentioned John Terry the sort of saga there what's your take on poor, it? poor John poor poor victim <laughs> John poor who's yeah. he's been left, left okay. out of dry
6: <laughs> she, she's a bit she <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> The thing you should be most agreed about is that Branislav Ivanovic got a contract and he did that's possibly been one of their worst players this season Yeah Yeah, uh, yeah it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a weird and I think um, he's, uh, he's gone a bit, too, uh, a bit too early on this so I
6: think it was fair, it's I think it was fair enough for the Chelsea to say we'll wait until there's obviously going to be a new manager and you want to give that new manager the decision whether to, whether to keep him or not and such a big figure in the class. I think it's fair enough just to say, listen, you're 35. Um, hold on till the summer, or, or when, you know, later on the season, when when they know his the manager is, and, and and let them make the decision rather than rather than someone on the board or, or coaches to make the decision. I, I, I don't think it's that unreasonable. you know, I think he's a, he's a maybe been a bit arrogant about it and uh, shot himself in the foot
1: definitely, totally great Mike, thanks for your time lads, Ben, Bolland, Cheers. size gone right. remember new True Faith out now, even if you can't read like these lads, download it for free uh, it's absolutely class it's what, you know, we're, we're very much part of the True Faith group and the fanzine is the focus of that so please read it um, yeah, RTF Weekly Pod, thanks to everybody more people who left us uh, five star reviews on iTunes were massively appreciated uh, um Stu Frey, and Davey Stratton. Again, massively appreciated. Uh, True Faith Quiz, a week Friday. Please get involved. Chance to win uh, tickets in the Phoenix Taxis box for Swansea or Palace. I forget which game. And we will be back Friday for the radio show, so thanks for listening.
4: Thank you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.